Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode 305 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are watching me live right now. As always, we remind you guys, make sure you subscribe and you click that notification bell so you never miss a live version of the show. And if you do miss the live video, it's all good. The audio podcast is out every Tuesday on podcast platforms around the world. Just search for The Neutral Corner, Michael Montero, Montero Unboxing, any of those, and you will find me. And uh, I always remind you guys, make sure that you're subscribed and you drop some ratings and reviews to help me out. This show is spread by word of mouth. We don't do ads here, all right? So I rely on you guys to pay the fee it's a non-monetary fee. All I ask is that if you, if you get something out of the show, just spread the word, man. Tell somebody about it. Share it. Post it on your social media and such. If you would like to help out and you would like to contribute to the show, the best way for you to do that is to go to MonteroOnBoxing.com, and there you can tip the show. I don't care if you tip a dollar, all right, if you want to help out. Everything that we make, we put back into the show. We build uh, better every 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 week, every month, every year with better technology and all that uh, to make the show greater and greater. So also you can get Montero unboxing t-shirts there. All right, guys. So make sure that you uh, check it out. All right. Now, uh, also, before I get to any further into the episode, I want to show you guys that the new issue of Ring Magazine is out. And this one is dedicated to the great Larry Holmes, one of my favorite heavyweights of all time. So the new issue of the ring is a special issue dedicated to Larry Holmes, who I think obviously he's one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. That goes without saying, right? I think he's universally recognized as one of the best ever, but I think he's underrated. I think there's a lot of people out there that definitely have him in their top 10, but man, I think he's maybe in the top three. I really, really feel that way. Larry Holmes. And I know this will be controversial to say this, but I just, I have a lot of respect for Larry. I think on any given night, you can make an argument that he was head to head the best heavyweight of all time. I'm not saying I would rate him number one based on accomplishments, although he's right up there. Number two, number three, you got no argument for me if you have him rated that highly. But I'm just talking head to head style wise. He may have been the best ever head to head. And I know that's controversial because you have to say Ali, right? Ali's become this mythical figure. If you don't rate Ali number one, then people will shit down your throat. But you guys already know, I rate Joe Lewis number one. I rate Ali two. I rate Holmes three. But on any given night, I think Holmes could have beat uh, the best version of Joe Lewis, the best version of Muhammad Ali. Just stylistically, he had a great, great chin, uh, great jab, probably the best overall jab in heavyweight history. I mean, certainly in the top three. I mean, when I think of the best, jabs in heavyweight history i'll go on vladimir klitschko larry holmes and probably muhammad ali ali was probably the fastest of the three with his jab uh klitschko and, and maybe the most accurate klitschko uh the most powerful and holmes was probably the best combo of both and maybe the most versatile with his jab so anyway um that's just i got a lot of respect for larry so Check out the new issue of Ring. May 2022 issue is out now. All right, let's get into this thing, all right? Let's get right into the news and or notes. Phone lines open, of course, and you guys can call in and we could chop it up. Uh, speaking of chopping, 
I went out and I threw axes. I went axe throwing with my wife and some friends uh, this weekend. That shit was fun. That shit was a lot of fun. <laughs> I've only done it twice. This is our second time, but man, that, that was fun. And uh, I don't know. I did it right-handed, left-handed, two hands, one hand. Uh, it was just throwing an axe at the target. Who knew it could be that fun? But there, you know, I just basically sharpened up on my killing skills this weekend, uh, axe throwing with my wife and some friends. And a couple weeks ago, I don't know if I shared this with you guys, but a couple weeks ago, I took Tiffany, my wife, to the shooting range for the first time in her life. We went with a couple of friends as well. And um, she she never even held a gun. So this is the first time she shot the gun, held a gun, whatever. I was in the military, so I've shot a ton of weapons, you know. But it had been years, almost maybe 20 years since I had really handled a weapon and shot it. But that was a lot of fun. What was crazy is, dude, I was still getting bullseyes. That Marine Corps training was still there. I mean, right on the first try, boom, 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 putting sleeping pills right into the fucking bullseye. But uh, Tiff, my wife, had a great time. She's like, I want to do that again. I'm like, all right, let's slow down. We don't need to do that again for a while. But uh, I don't know. I don't think I want to have a gun in the house. I don't know about any of that. But um, it's every now and then, you know, you should go shooting and you should teach your wife. And uh, I make Tiffany carry uh, pepper spray on her anyway. But I think it's it's worthwhile to at some point teach your wife and, and one day we'll have kids teach your kids at least just how to handle a weapon just in case they ever come around one. They know basic safety guidelines, things like that. Um, I, I'm a big believer in that. I've seen weapons do a lot of good. I've seen weapons do a lot of harm um, in my lifetime. So it's better to know what's going on than to not know. Know what I'm saying? Um, I want to show you guys this poll. One of my famous polls. You guys know I love doing these polls. Um, over 4,000 of you voted in this poll. This was last week. I asked if Jamal Charlo and Dimitri Bevel were to fight this spring, who wins and how? Now, I did not provide a location or the weight class. I just left all that open. I just asked straight up, Jamal Charlo, Dimitri Bevel, if they were to fight this spring, who wins and how? And I wanted to share the results with you guys because I do think it's it's kind of hilarious and kind of sad at the same time. So obviously, almost 90% of you had the right answer. You either picked Bevel stoppage, Bevel points. So almost half of you picked Bevel stoppage. About 40% picked Bevel points. There was a combined uh, about 13% that uh, 12, 13% that picked Charlo. And 5.5% even said Charlo stoppage, which is just hilarious. Okay. I wanted to address that 13% real quick before I move on to some other things. Um, this now, now look, I need to preface my following on my Twitter and really all my social media, my show here, the neutral corner, everything that I do is very global and it's very diverse. Okay. It, it represents, I would say my following represents a more global viewpoint of the boxing fan universe. Okay. It's not um, very because there are, there are other YouTube channels and other um, media people and stuff that have a very uh, centralized you know uh, following, wh whether it be UK solely UK based, solely American based, solely PBC based, solely Matchroom based. You, you see where I'm going here? Mine's pretty much all over the map. I, I and I know that because I could run the the demographics and the analytics on my YouTube channel, on my Twitter account, I can see all these things, right? And I can see just how global and international my following is, which I think is awesome. I think my my following is a reflection of, again, the global 
boxing fan universe. So I say that because I think my poll results, generally speaking, show how most boxing fans around the world, when you average it out, view things. I don't think I have a a following that is um, like centralized toward one platform or one network or one nation uh, nationality or demographic, you know, any of that stuff. Um, it's mostly male, of course. It's like ninety plus percent male, but this is boxing, uh, so that is to be expected. But in regards to like you know everything else, it's it's pretty 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 broad. So. This 13% that that voted for Charlo, I think if you were to go to some of these YouTube channels and stuff that promote Glovegate and, you know, all the conspiracy theory stuff as it relates to Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, over there it might be 90% would have said Charlo, okay? I get that because because they're, they're, um, their following is very homogenous, right? <clears throat> mine's, it, it's, mine's not like that. It's, it's very diverse. So... I think the 13% really, really shows kind of the fraction of boxing fans. It's really, depending on the subject matter, 10 to 20% of fans, maybe I'm being too generous, maybe it's 10 to 15% that are just batshit fucking crazy and completely tribalistic. They're just, they're, I, don't, I don't even know if tribalistic's a word, I just invented it. They're, they're, they're tribal. They will not allow themselves to give credit to the other side of the street, whatever that street is in their mind. Okay. And it's different for different people, but they're so their heels are so dug in and they're so biased that they just can't go there publicly. Even though those same motherfuckers, if, if I put a gun to their head and their life depended on it, and I asked them, who wins a fight this spring between Jamal Charlo and Dimitri Bevel? They know goddamn well they would pick Bevel. They know they would, okay? If their life depended on it, if there was a million dollars on the line, a billion dollars on the line, they'd pick Bevel. But publicly on the poll, they got to go with Charlo because it's tribal for them. Whether it's pro-Hayman, pro-PBC, pro-American, whatever it is, okay? There, there's some sort of tribal thing in them. That where they just cannot bend. The problem in boxing right now, and, and, and I'm speaking more about American boxing. I think this is a problem globally, but specifically in America, I think it's much worse. Is that this small group of people that constitute, again, 10, 15% of the overall fan base are the loudest. These, these tribal, obsessive people uh, they're so unbelievably biased and prejudiced and blinded by that bias and prejudice, go around calling everybody else all these names when they never look in the mirror and see how obsessive they are. Um, and they also have the loudest megaphone. The worst part is that some of these people have gotten their tentacles into certain platforms in the American boxing media uh, some of certain platforms in the American boxing promotion, promotion, certain promotions, um, certain networks. And there are people that work at some of the networks, some of the promotions, and even in certain uh, groups in the American boxing press, the old school boxing media, okay, certain organizations where the people running those groups and organizations are part of this group of whack jobs. 
or they're at least friendly with them and empathetic, sympathetic to their rationale. That's a problem. That's a real problem that really needs to be weeded out because it's really hurting the sport in so many ways. So I, anyway, I think those of you who are intelligent, and if you watch this show, you're a smart boxing fan. You know where I was going with this. Canelo Alvarez is fighting Dimitri Bivol in May, right? Anybody who's been following boxing the last, let's say, five years is very well aware that Dimitri Bivol is a tougher challenge right now, certainly more accomplished, certainly has a better resume. And on paper, especially at 175 pounds, no rehydration clause, none of that nonsense, he's a much better challenge, much bigger challenge, much bigger threat than Jamal Charlo is right now. Anybody can recognize that. Yet, I'm seeing YouTube videos and I'm seeing all sorts of narratives all over Twitter saying that Canelo Duckin, Canelo Duckin, Charlo. Canelo you know, turned down all this money. And by the way, guys, a lot of these dollar figures that get reported by sources, they're all bullshit because they, they only, the, the numbers include uh, upside and all this stuff. Like it's not, always what it seems with the numbers, okay? Uh, especially because they don't always factor in international numbers and stuff like that. But there are still people out there, Canelo Duckin, w- without even looking at this objectively. Now, again, they're 10 to 15% of the boxing fan base, but they are an extremely powerful and influential 10 to 15% because they are very loud and they have found certain wedge issues to use to their advantage to bully people into submission or bully people into silence that want to speak out against them. And some of them have even got their tentacles into very important organizations and platforms, particularly in the American boxing scene. So I just wanted to put all that out there. The 13% of you that voted for Charlo are intellectually dishonest and you're fuck, you're just idiots. You just need to grow the fuck up. Now, if Charlo and Bevo were to fight, by the way, by the way, I would pick Bevo by points. I don't even think Bevo would stop him. I think it'd be very competitive because I think Charlo is a damn good fighter. I really, really do. But especially if he moved up to 175 right now to fight Bevo, he's never even fought at 68. He's never even, even beaten elite middleweight in their prime at 160 because Derevyanchenko is not in his prime, right? Not when uh, Charlo fought him. So, so, so it would be a huge, huge task. I still think enough of Charlo that I think he could go the distance. But anybody who thinks that fighting Bevel is less of a challenge right now, 175, than fighting Charlo at 168, where he's never even fought once, is insane. You're on a fucking acid trip, and you need to grow the fuck up and drop the tribalism and all the other bullshit that's clouding your judgment and join the rest of us who just love this fucking sport for what it is and really don't care where fighters come from, what platform they fight under, what network they fight under, what nationality or country they come from. We don't give a shit. We just care about the best fight, the best. Join us. Join us. Okay. All right. Just had to get that off my chest. Okay. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Let's talk about uh, more breaking news. That wasn't news, at least not right now. Uh, Caleb planted David Benavidez. So uh, there were videos about this all week last week, and there were people tweeting about this and who wins the matchup. And there were graphics made, right? And all this. And then it turns out, yeah, not so fast. It's not a done deal. I don't know. Now, look, two weeks from now, it might happen. It's hard. I can't tell with the PBC guys, right? We just can't tell. They're, they're on, they're off, they're hard, they're soft. <laughs> I don't know. I can't keep up. 
I hope these two fight. They should have fought three years ago. But right now, as of as of this very moment, now that everyone got their clicks and they made their money last week, yeah, it turns out Caleb Plant and David Benavidez not fighting. Apparently, Caleb Plant turned down the offer, rejected it, and that's news now. Now, if you it, there are news articles on boxing websites, reputable boxing websites, right now, it's an article about how apparently, according to anonymous sources. Caleb Plant rejected the offer to fight David Benavides. That's a fucking news item. That's an article now. That's how bad it's gotten in the American boxing scene lately. That that's a that's a fucking news item. Strange times we live in. Speaking of shit fights, to keep this tirade going, Gervonta Tank Davis fighting Raleigh Romero. The, the match that we all wanted and got robbed of because of some trumped up charges against Romero last year, guys. We're finally going to get it. Yes, it's going to happen. May 28th on pay-per-view. The venue is to be announced. This is for the WBA regular lightweight title. Of course, we all know the real champion is George Cambosos, right? Raleigh Romero, is he even a top 20 lightweight? Honestly, is he a top 20? We know he's not a top 10. This is somehow on pay-per-view. And of course, there are people in that sphere, that Twitter sphere out there defending this. And um, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about Javante Davis. Listen, I think ESPN has him ranked in their top 10 pound for pound, but ESPN is not a sports news organization anymore. They ceased being that years ago. And their boxing coverage is fucking laughable. It's a joke. Anybody that knew anything about boxing has long been gone from that platform. So uh, their pound-for-pound pound list is shit. Gervonta Davis, you can't put him on a pound-for-pound pound list. Now, in terms of the look, the explosiveness, the uh, eye test, all that, yeah, yeah, okay. He's got the potential. In terms of what he's done, no, he's not even the top 20 pound-for-pound pound in terms of his accomplishments. You, you, you just can't do it, guys. It's irresponsible to put him on a pound-for-pound pound list. And I've said this a million times. I'll probably say it a million more times. I really don't care what their business plan over at uh, what LRB, uh, Mayweather, TMT Promotions, PBC, Steven Espinosa, Showtime. I don't care what their business plan is. You want to fight C-level opposition, maybe occasionally an over-the-hill B-level guy that you move up. Cool. You want to do it on pay-per-view for $80? You want to manipulate an ignorant, gullible fan base? Go for it right? You say you're basically doing the same thing Jake Paul's doing just to a smaller audience, a more niche audience, but you're basically doing the Jake Paul thing, but you're doing it as a boxer, a, a real boxer. Okay, cool. It, it, no, dude, no complaint from me. This is America. Make your money, dude. This is a capitalist society. This is a capitalist business. Boxing is. This is sports entertainment. Make your money. Cool. Just don't bitch when I don't rate you pound for pound. Just don't bitch when I call out the fact that 80, 90% of the titles you fought for, I can't even keep up how many titles Davis has, are bullshit. They're as thin as the paper my notes are on. I think one title Davis won, I want to say it was at 26, maybe against Pedraza. That was a legit title. Other than that, everything else is nonsense. 
So he's called like an eight division world. Ch- I don't even know how many divisions they claim he's won div- titles in. I don't even keep up anymore. The WBA is an absolute fucking joke. Gilberto Mendoza is basically uh, an employee of PBC at this point with the with the mental gymnastics they are pulling at 126 to 135, especially, but several other divisions. It's just hilarious at this point. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. It really is. But that's the part that pisses me off. Yeah, it's annoying to deal with really ignorant uh, fans on Twitter who started watching boxing, you know, when Tank Davis knocked out Leo Santa Cruz or or when Floyd Mayweather fought Manny Pacquiao, you know, that's or when uh, Tyson Fury beat uh, Deontay Wilder in their rematch. That's when they started watching boxing. Right. Um, and they believe in Glovegate and all. And they they will, you know, man, how you disrespected Tank? He's He's beat like five undefeated world champions or whatever it is they say. That shit's annoying, but I can deal with that, right? There, there are stupid fans out there for every fighter, for every platform. So whatever, no problem. But when there's people in the actual industry rating this guy above fighters like Chocolatito, Juan Francisco Estrada, rating him higher than guys like that, like, dude, that that's, that's, that's fucking criminal. Like, that's just not cool. All right, that's all I'm going to do with, with Tank Davis. He doesn't deserve any more of my time. Real quick, I just want to go to the chat here. By the way, for the millionth time, too, you got nothing against Tank Davis as a human being. Get your paper, man. Get your money. Get your paper. I totally understand. Oh, you know what? I see what was that? Hamed in the chat said, uh, TNC is on early. Salute MOB. Dude, you know what it is? We just had daylight savings time here. That's why it's early for you guys over there because I don't think you do this dumb shit. I don't know why America does this. I love my country, but we do some really dumb shit. God, we do some dumb shit. And daylight savings time has got to be one of the stupidest fucking things we do. It's not the 19th century anymore. We don't need to do it. I lost an hour of sleep last night. Can you tell? (laughs) So maybe that's why I'm so honored today. Uh, But dude, just... I don't know why we do that, but that's why it might feel like an hour early for a lot of you guys out there who live in grown-up countries that don't do this dumb shit. I don't know why America does it. <clears throat> Jack says, uh, Michael's heated today. He don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, man. Uh, I'm just letting them rip today. I'm letting them rip here. <clears throat> Toreen says, uh, anyone that puts anything in or, or puts stock in anything, Leonard, I store the whole horse through my nose. LRB is a fucking idiot. All right, Toreen, you said that, not me. You said that, not me. James Hunt says, drained Pedraza on two weeks' notice. Good point, James. I didn't even think about that. James also adds, uh, they also weight drained Barrios. <clears throat> Alexander says, Gervonta, what's the rush, Davis? You know what? Godness says, uh, bro, you're on fire today. <laughs> Torian says, I stand by it. <laughs> Eric Gomez, daylight savings needs to be kept year around. For- yeah, dude, pick one of the times. Which- whichever time it is, pick one and leave that the damn time. Stop fucking with us every six months. It's so stupid. Like, for real, America, we're the only country that does, I think we still do the old English system. Everyone else is metric, right? Um, they're just, they're just things we do here that are dumb, really, really dumb. Don't quite understand. Sal says Montero spicy today. Yes, I am uh we picante today. <laughs> um, 
Oh, UK does it too. I didn't know. Okay, Pugnacious says uh, UK does it too. Thick as fuck, but probably more useful over there. Probably is a little more useful over there. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know, dude. We, we are basically, we are England's children over here. So uh, the only thing we don't do is you guys drive on the wrong side of the road. We we, we don't do that. <laughs> George says, Mike, did you see Nikita Zoo's debut last week? Yeah, he, he, he looks like he can fight. It looks like he can fight, but let's let's not get too excited too soon. But it's, it's pretty badass that uh, Kostya's sons fight, and they don't look like gimmicks. They look like they can actually fight. Anthony Santiago asks, "Hey Mike, do you think Kenneth Sims is a sleeper at 140? His Elvis Rodriguez performance impressed me. Yeah, dude, for real. Ken, absolutely, absolutely, is a sleeper at 140." Well, there's a lot of uh, Leonard Ellerby hate in the chat here. <laughs> uh, Twal says Germany changes times too. Oh, of course, the Germans change time. Oh, those Germans. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, Gadanez says, Mike, are you going to Valdez versus Shakur? No, I'm not going to that fight, but I might be going to Canelo Beevil, even though I'm going to be really insanely busy around that time. I uh, might be back in the ring around that time. I will probably be going out to Vegas for that fight. Not confirmed yet. Not confirmed yet. Alexander asks, any truth to Munguia versus Charlo? Apparently it's being negotiated and it's close. But again, I, I don't want to get your guys' hopes up. So many fights keep falling through. But apparently the negotiations are real. People that I actually trust have reported about that fight. So um, we shall see. But I hope that fight happens because, oh, that'd be a good one. Trey Anner in the chat. What's up, Trey? Says, Axe Murderer Montero. Hey, man, I got bullseyes with the right and with the left. I got a two-handed and one-handed. So uh, I, I was doing pretty good with the axe throwing. They had axes and tomahawks. That was pretty fun throwing that shit. Toreen asks, Mike, do you see a PBC special against Tim Zhu as his fight is happening at the same place where Fox got screwed over? Ooh. I think they can't screw over Tim Zhu, dude. Too much business in that. I don't know. Uh, Fox, there's just, you know, Atlanta's Fox, there's no business there. There's no money there. But with Tim Zhu, there's a lot of money there, dude. Lots of money. I don't think uh, he's going to get screwed with. Also, he's got some powerful people behind him, unlike the other dude. That matters in this game. All right, let's go to the uh, review real quick, guys. Uh, let's talk about this thing, man. Uh, last Saturday, March 19th, um, we had um, – oh, where's my where's my notes? Where's my notes? Where's my, oh, here we go. March 12th. I'm sorry, guys. Last Saturday, March 12th at Nottingham Arena in Nottingham, England. It was on the zone here in the United States. Lay Wood, Lee Wood, comes uh, from behind. He was down early in this fight, literally down, knocked down on the first and then down the cards pretty, pretty big after the first half of the fight works his way back, drops Conlon in the 11th and knocks him literally out of the ring in the 12th to win this fight. TKO 12 and uh, defended his regular quote unquote WBA 126 title. The super champion there is Leo Santa Cruz, even though he hasn't fought in that division for 473 years and recently got knocked the F out by Javante Tank Davis. But hey, it's the WBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what you give you. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, dude, 
this is an early fight of the year contender and knockout of the year contender. And a lot of times you get both of those in the same fight, right? But when I look for a real uh, fight of the year, I look for a fight that goes at least to the championship rounds, at least to the middle rounds. But it, most of the time it, they go to, to the uh, championship rounds or the distance. And both guys have big success. And both guys were down in this fight, a lot of two-way action. It helps that the crowd was awesome. It helps that the atmosphere was great. That amps it up. It, it makes it even more of a fight of the year contender for me. In my opinion, it doesn't really matter if the fighters are pound for pound level talents or, you know, or, or not. It, it, it's, it, it's about the quality of the, the action. And in this fight, uh, Lee Wood and Michael Conlon are both quality fighters. They're not pound for pound elite, truly elite level guys, but these are world level guys, right? Conlon, of course, was in the Olympics. And now Wood, let's talk about him for a second. Dude, he beat Khan Shu last July. And now just beat Conlon, who was the favorite coming in, right? This was set up for him to win. This was going to be his first, uh, you know, title win and everything else. Top rank. They know what they're doing when they build these guys up. And for Wood, that's that's a hell of a run lately, man. So where do we rate him? Right now at ring, we have the featherweight division. We have the championship vacant, which it is. And number one, we have Navarrete. Number two, Magsayo. Number three, Lara. At number four, we got Wood, then Warrington, Kiko Martinez, and of course, Gurry Russell. So where do you rate Wood? And that was the argument this weekend. Do we move him up? And I just don't know, like, I want to move him up, but I don't know if I can move him up past Lara and Magsayo and Navarrete off of this. Awesome win. Love to see it. But I just don't know if I'd move him up. I, I, I think he's still in a good spot right there at number four. Here's the question. Do we get a rematch? Because I know Michael Conlon wants it. Friend of the show, by the way. He's been on the show. Seems like a cool guy. He's always been cool with me. I was there in New York for his pro debut. Awesome atmosphere. Conor McGregor was there. The crowd went nuts. Um, he always brings you know a fun atmosphere to his fights. And he, you guys saw on Twitter, he said, I want the damn rematch. He left no doubt about it. If you're Wood, do you do a rematch with Conlon? Or will the WBA finally get off their ass and do something worthwhile because i gotta tell you if there could be a fight between lee wood and leo santa cruz that's fun that's a fun fight where leo santa cruz is at this point in his career and the momentum that lee wood would have going into this fight holy shit that's a great matchup and that would be for the wba super featherweight title uh, sign me up for that. Now, of course, that would probably be in the United States. That would be a PBC card and all that. Um, so Lee Wood would be, you know, fighting the establishment there. But I'd love to see that one. I think that'd be a lot of fun, dude. Sign me up for that. As much as I'd love to see this rematch, and I would, that might be even better. And, and Wood deserves it. He deserves a crack at that super championship if he cares about that. However, if he wants to do a rematch with Conlon and keep it over there on that side of the world, and just put it in, in his backyard. Um, I understand that. And <clears throat> that'd be a lucrative fight and it'd be a hell of a lot of fun. I'd definitely be interested in that. So, um, all right. That's how I see that one. It looks like we got a super chat here from Leonardo Campos Vasquez. Thank you so much for the super chat. He says, Lara versus Wood. I need that fight. Damn, dude, sign me up for that shit. That'd be good. Yeah. I mean, you look at, 
you know, the thing about featherweight, dude, it's pretty loaded. I mean, there's a lot of interesting fights there. Everyone I just talked about, Navarrete, Magsayo, Lara, Wood, Warrington, Martinez, Russell, any combination of those fighters, I'm good. <laughs> we should have a tournament. If the World Boxing Super Series came back, do a tournament at 126. You get those fighters involved in the tournament, that shit's going to be fun. But I I'm with you, dude. Uh, Wood and Lara, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Put that over there in the UK, man. That'd be a real fun fight. But um, it's just about the atmosphere. Listen, man, as dysfunctional as American boxing is right now, and there's a lot of issues, UK boxing, I'm not saying it's perfect. And you guys don't have the, the greatest fighters in the world in every division, but there's some divisions that you have really, really damn good fighters in. And you have a great scene over there. UK boxing is just kicking ass right now. You guys always bring action for us, uh, fight, fight fans around the world. Super chat pledge from Sam A. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, uh, Conlon is not a southpaw. Unlike Andre and Crawford that can dominate while southpaw, Conlon gets hit a lot when southpaw orthodoxy is better. You know, that's something I noticed about Conlon. He does get hit when he switches. I noticed that in his pro debut, actually. I remember um, making a note of that. And it's I don't know if it's just a habit he has or what, if he got too comfortable. One thing I worry about Conlon is it, most of the time when you see a guy wear down late in a fight, to me, from my experience, that's a guy that maybe the weight cut or the current weight he's fighting at is sapping him a little bit. It, it's taking that energy. Um, sometimes it's just because it's just the style of the fight and everything else. But when you see a guy routinely fade in the championship rounds, you know, the last few rounds of a fight, especially a fight that he was in control of early on, or at least doing very, very well at early on. Uh, a lot of times that's the weight cut. It's things going on uh, in training camp. It's things going on in between fights that are affecting him in those late moments of a fight. Because with Wood, he got better as this fight went on. You know, he had a rough start. So credit to him for weathering that storm and, and coming back and storming back. For Conlon, it was kind of the opposite. And he just kind of faded. And um, what a knockout from, uh, from Wood. And it, I told you guys last week in the preview, both of these dudes, it's around 50% KO percentage in their, their career. They're not big-time power punchers. But sometimes it's not about being able to have that, that one-punch knockout kind of power. It's that accumulation. And you got a guy tired. You jump on him. And that's what Wood did. And a fantastic win for him. That was just that was really exciting, man. All right. Let's do this preview. And then we'll get to some calls, all right? Uh, now, we got a lot of fights this weekend. None of them are really big matchups, but some of these guys are just getting back in the ring. And listen, if they get in the ring three, four times this year, I'm good with it. If this is their first matchup of the year, they're just kicking their year off. So it's all good. Saturday, March 19th, there's a Queensberry card in London. David Avenesian fighting Oskari Metz, a fighter out of Finland in a welterweight main event over there. And then Richard Schaefer, Pro Bellum Promotions. Uh, duty-free tennis stadium in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Sonny Edwards, 17-0 fighter out of London, going up against Pakistani native Muhammad Wasim. This will be the third defense of Edwards' IBF flyweight title. That is the main event of that probellum card. And then also on this card, Regis Progray versus Tyrone McKenna, 10 rounds, junior welterweights. I Man, Progray was one of my favorite fighters coming up. 
And then since that loss to Josh Taylor in 2019, this is just his third fight. He had one fight in 2020, one fight in 2021. I really hope he gets busier this year. And then um, the fight, the two fights since, I think they've been just above 140. They've been like at a 143 catch weight, something like that. I'm not exactly sure where this fight will be. I think they're supposed to get down to legit 140. I, th- I believe so. But I want to see Progray fight three times this year. And I want to see him in there against the top 10 guy. For McKenna, he has two losses on his record, but they're both close points losses. He had a close fight with Jack Catterall, at least on the cards. And then he had a really close fight with O'Hara Davies that he lost. He lost both of those, but they were close competitive. So he's never been stopped. So the benchmark for Progre, can he stop Tyrone McKenna? No one's ever stopped him before. That would be a big win for him if he could do it. Um, Not a huge win, but you know what I'm saying? It would be impressive if he could be the first guy to stop McKenna. All right, in Kyoto, Japan, Masamichi Yabuki going up against Kenshiro Taraji for Yabuki's WBC Junior Flyweight title. This is a rematch. These two fought last September, and Yabuki won by TKO uh, 10. Taraji had the title coming in. He had defended it eight times, I think seven or eight times going into that fight. So in in a minor upset, Yabuki won. They're doing the rematch. This weekend in Japan. Um, here in the United States, top rank on ESPN from the Madison Square Garden Theater in New York City. Edgar Berlenga, 18-0, super middleweight prospect, going up against Steve Rolls, who is 2-0 since his lone defeat to Gennady Golovkin in 2019. Of course, Berlenga known for having 16 straight first-round knockouts, but his last two fights have gone the distance. So he's getting rounds, which he needs. Uh, I thought that the whole first round KO thing was bad for him. He seems to have kind of gone back a step, you know, because he lost a little confidence, not being able to crush a dude in the first round or two uh, for the first time in his career. So he just hasn't looked like the same guy, but these rounds he's getting, this is what he should have been getting in the first place. So it's good that they pulled him back a step and he's still developing. Definitely has some tools to build on for sure. Also on this card, Puerto Rican prospect Xander Zayas, 12-0 junior middleweight, going up against Quincy Lavias, who is mostly known for fighting Clay Collard twice. This is eight rounds. And then in California, in Los Angeles, uh, Golden Boy Promotions is back. Golden Boy hasn't had a card in a while, so it's good to see Golden Boy back. This is at the USC Galen Center. This will be on the zone. Uh, some fun fights have been at that Galen Center. That's right there on the USC campus. That is right down the street from where I used to live, man. I used to live right there next to that campus. Uh, and I trained at a gym that was right in that neighborhood too. Good times. Lots of fun memories, man. In the main event, the return of Virgil Ortiz Jr., one of the most exciting young American fighters out there. 18-0, welterweight. I think we could call him a contender now. He's beyond prospect. Going up against an undefeated Southpaw from the UK, Michael McKinson, who is 21-0, but only has two knockouts. So they call him the problem. That's his nickname. But the problem with him is he just does not have power. Tricky style, Southpaw. He gets cute in there. He can box. But you got 18-0 and a lot of power going up against 21-0. Not much power. Also, this is a big step up in class for McKinson. His first bout outside of Europe, I think all but one 
have been in the UK. I think one of them was somewhere else in Europe. I can't remember exactly where, but 20 of his 21 fights were in the UK. This will be the first time for him going across the pond and fighting in America and fighting in LA. That's going to be a raucous crowd cheering hard for Ortiz. So McKinson's going to be up against it. It's going to be fun to see that atmosphere. Also on this card, another SoCal fighter uh, or SoCal based fighter, I should say Virgil Ortiz, of course, from Texas now trains out of Cali, but Alexis Rocha actually from California is 18 and one going up against Philly born Blair Cobbs, who was 15 0 in one in a 10 round welterweight fight. Rocha is 2-0 since his lone defeat to Rashidi Ellis in 2020. This is a step up in opposition for Cobbs. We're going to find out if he's for real or not in this fight. That's a that's a pretty fun doubleheader from Golden Boy. Um, I actually prefer the Golden Boy card to the top rank card for multiple reasons. Uh, venue, location, but also matchups. I just think they'll deliver a little bit more. Okay, that is that for the preview. All right, let's uh, let's go to the phones, man. Let's let's do some phone calls. We got a bunch, guys, so we got to keep these quick. All right, because we got a bunch on the line from both sides of the pond. So let's jump first to Texas. We got two one zero. You're on TNC. What's up? Oh, hey, Mike. It's, it's Anthony calling from uh, uh, the Austin area. How you doing? Good, man. How you doing, Anthony? Oh, good, man. Just enjoying uh, the show. Appreciate the content. Uh, yeah, I'm just listening in on you know a lot of crazy stuff happening, and I just want I just wanted to clear something up because I know last time I called a couple of weeks ago, I, you know, defending the promoters. That's I'm kind of glad of this time. But um, but one thing I, um, about David Benavidez, he it, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he try to leave PBC for top rank? That sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it sounds like at some point, you know what? That does sound familiar, dude. I just don't remember details. Yeah, I think it was last year. So when all this is going on with the, with the uh, negotiations with uh, Charlo, Canelo. Uh, Didn't they give him like a know, signing bonus how, or something? Yeah, I, when, I, I think it got pulled back in court like right away, but they, it didn't really make a lot of headlines. But um so we know how Heyman operates. You know, you gotta, you have to be loyal to the brand, to the name. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that's gonna play, a, is that playing a factor in all this? Because it would look really bad on the PBC guys like Charlo, who've been loyal to Heyman, if they went hard for a guy like Benavides after you know he tried to go to top rank, which I think was a good move for Benavides. I'd rather see with top rank, but um, but that that's the one thing like I, I think that just flies under the radar. But I'm I'm pretty sure. But that's why I kind of wanted to nah, ask that question. You're right. Uh, I I just checked. He um, top rank gave him a two hundred and fifty thousand dollars signing bonus to sign. This is in 2018. And David Benavidez, mm-hmm. th- he had a world title at this time. Uh, he gave it back. And I think uh, PBC basically threatened him. Hey, you know, we got to you, you can't go over there. But, dude, if he had gone with top rank at that time, do you realize him and Gilberto Ramirez would have already fought? What a fight that would have been. They would have already fought. Mm. Well, he, he just seems like he has the mentality of the old school top rank fighter. Because one thing that top rank does is they match people up but they made the trilogies when i yeah. started watching boxing as a diehard with they started the barrera morales the oscar was fighting everybody i mean he just seems like in the pbc everybody's just kind of waiting around and 
I know he probably caught heat from the CDC too, because in the interviews, he's been quoted saying that, yeah, you know, they kind of like to wait out fights and, 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 you know, just kind of like pump the brakes on everything. So I'm pretty sure he got talked to about that too. So uh, that just, that's just one of the things that, uh, that I think people got to realize too, that he's probably not on their, their favorite list when it comes to what Heyman's going to do for him versus guys who have always been loyal to the brand like mm. Charlo. You know, so it's just point. a lot of factors. Um, I don't know. Who knows? You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it's good to see, um, you know, the, the promoters, like you said, um, with Golden Boy coming back here. And I think everybody was scratching their head, like, why are they having Garcia down here in Ortiz in California? It should be swapped around. But I think what they're aiming at is the annual Fiesta event down here in San Antonio, which is going to be the first one since COVID when it came back to normal. Ah. Huge event. Okay. Um, for the city it's kind of like the mexican mardi gras and i know when they had canelo fight trout down here that they did it during the exact same time which is smart and that's when they pulled in fifty thousand people the whole fight week was was crazy they had the weigh-ins at the market square where a lot of the festivals were happening and it was a it was a, it was a crazy crowd you know what i mean so i think that's what golden boy is probably aiming to do with that smart. but um yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But no, uh, no, I just that's that's all. I know you got calls. Uh, I'm just gonna listen in and uh, I appreciate that. Like I said, appreciate the content. I appreciate it, Anthony. Man, g- great point about Benavidez because because I you know yeah he did try to leave in 2018 and PBC pulled him right back, and you see what he's done since. It, it's it's amazing. I think that says a lot. So that's a great point you brought up, bro. Appreciate you calling in, man. All right, thank you. Yeah. Wow. I totally forgot. Yeah. Cause I remember hearing about that, but I just couldn't remember the details. So I just looked it up and yeah. Um, man, imagine if Benavides had gone to top rank, how that would have changed things in the super middleweight division. Canelo still would have probably did his thing, but long ago, actually, I think we would have seen before Gilberto Ramirez moved up to 75, we would have seen him and Benavides fight at least once. It's possible they could have fought a couple times. Those would have been awesome fights. Holy shit. All right, back to the phones. Let's go to Nacho. What's up, Nacho? How you doing, brother? Hey, Mike. What's going on? Not much. Um, I'm just going to keep it, you know, short because there wasn't really a whole lot that happened this weekend. But the one that did happen, I mean, holy shit. That's a fight of the year candidate between Wood and Conlon. I mean, the the ebbs and flows, the, the knockdowns, the back and forth. I mean, that was great. I mean, the the ending was insane. Never would have predicted seeing Conlon getting knocked out and pushed outside the ring and ended up outside the ring. That was nuts. And like you said, the atmosphere there in England made it even better. Uh, I would have hated to have seen that fight take place like in Vegas or somewhere with a stale atmosphere where I don't know if the fans would have been as into it as they were there in England where they had it. So that was great that they did it. Um, I'm glad Collins okay. Um, he's insane for wanting a rematch right away after that. Um, but that just goes to show you the balls on both of these guys. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. But like you said, Mike, though, um, would Santa Cruz and the PBC <clears throat> actually step up and take on Wood? I don't know. I'm I'm starting to kind of wonder, Mike, because Santa Cruz doesn't look that all that impressive even when he does win at this point. So. I think they'd be a little uh, timid about putting Santa Cruz in there against Wood. I think Wood could uh, go in there and eventually get Santa Cruz 
like the same way he did with Conlon. So I don't think they'd be all that thrilled to, to necessarily want to fight him right away. I think uh, more than anything, if they could do a fight against <clears throat> Lara or if they want to do the rematch against Conlon, I'd have no problem with it either way. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be entertaining fights for sure. Um, and then just the ones this weekend, um, the uh, that Dubai card, really weird place for them to, to put that card. Uh, I'm probably going to watch it just because I want to see what progress looks like and see if he can even still make 140 at this point because it just kind of feels like the older he gets, the harder it is for him to cut to 40. And he might end up having to move up to 47 sooner rather than later. Um, he should beat McKenna. I've seen McKenna fight before. He's nothing special. He's a decent fighter, but he's not on pro grades level. So he should beat him. <clears throat> and then the uh, Sonny Edwards-Muhammad uh, fight. That Muhammad dude isn't half bad, Mike. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen him fight. He's pretty the solid. The kid can fight a little bit. Yeah, he had an amateur yeah, so career. I think he, he could should fight. give Edwards a test. Yeah. Yeah, he should give Edwards a test. So I'm definitely curious to see how that fight goes. And then uh, Ortiz McKinson. I think Ortiz should win that fight. I don't really see McKinson. If anything, he might be awkward and tricky, but I still think Virgil gets him out of there. I definitely want to see what uh, Rocha does against Cobb. That's kind of a pick em fight to me. In, in my opinion, it could go either way. That's kind of a 50-50 fight for sure. Um, and then the other card, Zayas um, and Berlanga, they both have, they're both just kind of stay busy fights. They should both beat the guys they're fighting. You know, they're just another step in the progression mm-hmm. to developing both guys, but they should win. I, I don't really see either guy being all that much, all that tested either way. Uh, I'm just disappointed Keyshawn Davis fell out because he got COVID. I definitely wanted to see him fight. So, you know, that that's a little His bit brother's fighting, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I like Keyshawn, though, too. I wouldn't have mind seeing him fight, too. And then, um, and then just the last thing, Mike, you were talking about it right now when you were going off on your rant about how the sources were saying that, um, you know, Benavides and Plant was off. Well, on a couple of them, the uh, the source supposedly is Benavides' dad is the one that's talking to these dudes on the Internet telling them that he's, he's the one saying, oh, well, we offered him the fight and he shut us down. So, hmm. I mean, it just it's kind of coincidental that his dad is the one out there kind of talking about this whole thing. Maybe the PVC isn't all that thrilled, like you said, about trying to help Benavides out as, as much as they could. But, yeah, he, he's the, the so-called source. So, you know, take that for what it, for what it is. Uh, all right, Mike, that's my call. All right, thanks, Nacho. Appreciate it, man. Have thanks. a good week. Yeah. All right, let's keep it going, guys. I think this is Thad here on the line. All right, 570, you're on the show. What's up? Yo, Mike. Hey, uh, hey. 126 Division. I wish they could do a World Super Series boxing uh, tournament and get a unified champion there. You got eight or nine fighters deep. I think Navarrete, Lara, and now Wood are, are the three class guys there. And uh, I think Lara ends up on top uh, fighting Navarrete in, in a, a barnstorm fight. I, I just hope 126 can can make these fights happen because, man, I'll tell you, Lara, wow. Yeah. That guy's exciting. 
the fight this weekend with, with Conlon and Wood. That was McClellan Ben, except the uh, the lighter version, mm. uh, and and with you know obviously not the brutal power, but the electricity in that crowd. That was mimicking that night when uh, when Ben took out McClellan. That's what boxing needs: these types of fights, and the types of fights we're getting. It's not American fighters fighting American fighters. Basically what American boxing has become outside of like a Joe Smith and Virgil Ortiz. It's like that advertisement for fine dining and you walk in the restaurant and all of a sudden you find yourself in a truck stop and they're serving microwave uh, TV dinners. That's what American boxing has become, unfortunately. Okay. And if it goes any further, I think you're going to see a huge drop off as far as fanfare in the United States. It's already, pretty much relegated to casino fare uh, comps in Vegas. Um, and then your diehards that are paying for $50 tickets. Boxing's in trouble in the United States when we have Munguia and Charlo agreeing to terms. And then the two promoters, Golden Boy and PBC, not being able to make it work because of television agreements. That's right. What is going on? There has to be some kind. Why can't you have an arbitrator for that? You know, for settling business disputes, this is this is simplicity that's turning into, you know, complication. Okay, the boxing fans in America deserve better, and they're and they're being promised uh, dreams of grandeur and getting nothing in return. It's just that simple. Hmm. So, thank goodness we see Virgil Ortiz come on the scene this weekend because he is probably the apex American fighter right now. I know a lot of people are not going to like to hear that, but when you, when you take a look at the guy, he's got all the qualities. The one thing I don't like is probably something that's the best thing about him. He's a nice guy. He might be too nice a guy. Mm. Okay. He's, he's a musician for goodness sakes. These, these guys, uh, they don't have that, that, that mean streak and killer instinct that I think can hurt him in, in the future, not this weekend because the guy he's fighting he doesn't have much power. So I don't think he has a lot to worry about, but at some point he's going to have to find that inner demon to go in and just take a guy out and, and not, you know, take it easy, take his foot off the gas. He's got to, he's got to be an absolute stone cold killer in the ring. And I say that mildly. And, um, cause we just had another tragedy. We did. Yeah. And, um, another reason why, why boxing, it's so important that these guys are taken care of financially and then also medically. And we're seeing a lot of guys melting down these weights dangerously. And, and a lot of these, you know, ring deaths that are, that are happening are, are happening because of improper uh, weigh-ins and uh, that, that has to be corrected as well. Um, so uh, with that, you know, I loved what you had to say at the very beginning of the show with, with the, uh, Charlo, um, kind of looking forward to his next fight at the local Ruby, Ruby Tuesday or Applebee's <laughs> or wherever the hell this guy hangs out. TJ Friday. Because, man, I tell you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mike, he's not fighting in the ring. His promoters aren't doing him any. And I'm talking about Jermall, not Jermell. Jermell is an actual fighter. Mm. The guy wants to fight. Jermall is another breed. He, this guy, he's a danger to himself if he's not active. And, and the funny thing is, who has he fought? He's he's beaten one standing champion 
That was Cornelius Bundridge, mm. K9 Bundridge from the Contender Series that Sylvester Stallone invented. Yep. That was the only fighter he beat that held a title at the time he fought them. 42 years old at the time. Mm. Step up and fight a guy. Finally, somebody, anybody. Because this is really what I said earlier. It's a TV dinner at a truck stop being served up as fine dining. Mm -hmm. You can't con people. You cannot keep conning people. This, it, it has to come to an end at some point. So Mike, uh, great show. Just hope to hear your comments on that. And uh, again, I, I just hope the guys at Applebee's uh, are ready <laughs> because Charlo's coming. <laughs> good stuff. <that. laughs> Thanks. Have a good week, man. Uh, man, Fab brought the fire today. I, I gotta say, I agree with everything he said on that call. Um, yeah, he put it very, very well. You, you think that you're getting filet mignon, and it's kind of you know, it, it all kind of ties back to what I said about Javante Davis in the opening. He's being sold as filet mignon, and he might look like it, but his fights are. Uh, do you guys remember Steakums? I don't know if they still have Steakums. But when I was growing up, there was these like 50 cent steaks that you could get in the freezer section at the supermarket. And, um, you know, when I was broke as fuck, yeah, I, I bought them a few times. And they're paper thin leather straps of steak. I mean, they're terrible, you know, and that's what you're getting. But here's the thing. Here's how bad it is. Gervonta Davis's team. If, if they get 100, 150,000 people to buy Steakums and pay filet, filet mignon prices for Steakums, they don't give a shit because that they'll make enough money with that to get everybody paid well to where everybody eats. So if they get 100,000 or so idiots willing to pay filet mignon prices for Steakums just because they like this guy. And again, I go back to that whole tribal thing with certain people. And again, when I say tribal, okay, I want to make this very clear because there's people on Twitter who can't wait to pounce. I mean, it could be related to a promotion. It could be related to a network. It could be related to a coast. There are fans that only support West Coast fighters or East Coast fighters. There are fans who only support UK fighters or Japan fighters or American fighters, okay? It doesn't have to be uh, ethnic group related or anything like that. I'm just saying. There's, you know, the PBC stands out there. Um, the the Ting Davis fans seem to be a Floyd leftover Floyd fans, and um, they just believe anything these people say, and they'll pay filet mignon prices for steakums. And the promotion's cool with that. They don't really give a shit about the future. They don't give a shit about the next generation and how that's going to work out because they're making their money now, and that's the problem. Who was it? Was it Larry Merchant that basically said, "I'm paraphrasing." And if it wasn't Larry, correct me, guys. But I want to say it was Larry Merchant that said something to the effect of boxing, every fight in boxing is the last fight ever. That's how they build. They build like, okay, this is the last fight ever. So we got to make it big, big, big. We're going to build this up and make all of our money here. And that's just the mentality. They never think, let's build this thing for the next 10, 20 years. Let's build it up. Let's build a storyline. It's no, 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 no. Let's get as much money as we can for this one fight. Let's milk as much money as we can out of this. And then whatever happens later, fuck it. We'll figure it out. How long can you keep doing that before there's no future left? <clears throat> that is my question. All right. Let's go back to the phones. I think we got an LA caller. Awesome. We got 818 
You're on the show. What's going on? Hey, Mike. I just, I just wanted a perfect segue into the point I was going to make because uh, I wanted to agree with you on the points you made earlier about uh, fans picking sides in terms of promotions and promoters. You know, this is what always, uh, this is what ruins the sport. It's not just supporting the better fighter when it comes up to the matchup. It's whose side do I have to be on? It's just either PBC top rank, whatever. But um, I don't know why people are so hell-bent on picking a side with promoters and networks. It, it, it shouldn't be like that, seriously. I, I, it really shouldn't be like that. You know, as fans, we shouldn't be, quote-unquote, choosing a side of the street. It just needs to be seen as, okay, these two guys are fighting. Regardless of networks or promoter affiliation, who would win? I mean, I I heard on another podcast, and I don't like to name names, and I won't. But um, I, I heard on another podcast their intro is has a soundbite of a fighter saying "fuck top rank." It's just like that's already <laughs> going to just turn me off because that already immediately <sighs> that that just that that already deters me. It's like okay, I, I kind of I I know how what uh, like one-sided the show is going to be and then if i were to say your show it's your show is like the bbc of boxing news you tell the truth you you say you give the fans perspective and, and you see the sport at, as it really is through a true fans perspective and thank you, you know, for I, saying that's the only that. comment i wanted to make but it was, it, it was a really i mean how you ended that last uh talking point it was a really good segue into what i wanted to mention so awesome you. who are we talking to i didn't, I didn't catch your name my, my my name is Mike from LA too. Mike. Oh, okay, another Mike. All right, cool. Hey man, I appreciate that yeah. compliment because there's uh that's so funny you mentioned that that one channel that just says fuck top rank. That's their intro. Uh those are the guys that call me all sorts of nasty names. And and I'm like, dude, can you guys not see how you're the one with the problem? I'm trying to like just tell the truth over here. And like there's their intro is fuck top rank. I love it, man. That's hilarious. I I, I know, like I said. I don't, I don't like to name names, but I mean, we know, and, and I'm listen, I listen to all the podcasts that are out there with, with boxing news. And I, I, yours is the most like in between, like you just say, this is how it is. And like, like I take it as you want it. And if you can't handle the truth then you know, basically F off. So, yeah. I mean, basically, yeah, that's what I try yeah, to do. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the, the call, and that's all I wanted to mention. But uh, hope you have a good rest of the year, and uh, it was great, uh, great talking to you. Thanks, man. Call in again, Mike. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot, man. I will. I will. Take care. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a great compliment, man. Because you know, I, I take a pounding on uh, social media, guys. Uh, you guys have seen some of you that follow me on Twitter. Some of you have even liked some of those tweets, and you, you enjoyed and joined in on the fun. You fuckers! <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Sometimes you just got to join in the fun. I get it, but um, yeah, man, I take I take a beating. So it's nice to hear from someone, especially a first time caller. Just saying, uh, hey, man, you know, I appreciate you trying to tell the truth. And look, I have my preferences. You know, there are certain fighter styles I prefer. I prefer, uh, you know, punchers more than movers. I prefer, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but that doesn't mean I can't respect all fighter styles and stuff. I mean, everyone has preferences and stuff like that. But I always try to give my truth. Um, and I try to keep it as even down the middle as I can. It's, it, But there are some platforms that are acting bad more than other platforms. So I probably go after certain platforms more than others. 
it doesn't mean that I think everyone, you know, everyone's an angel. If I, if I'm not talking about them, uh, it's just some guys are fucking up more than others. So I'm going to talk about them. <clears throat> uh, both of you guys, or a couple of you guys out there in the chat have said that it was Dana White who made that comment. So I want to clear the air. It was not Larry Merchant. It was Dana White. And I got to give Dana credit for that because he says a lot of dumb shit. But that was one he said that was actually really smart. Anthony Santiago in the chat says, Dana White always says every boxing event is a going out of business sale. He's right. I mean, I won't say every event, but a lot of American boxing events. So, like, let's contrast what we saw this weekend with uh, Wood and Conlon and how that was built and the atmosphere of that fight and the potential for a rematch and the potential for Wood to maybe move on to bigger and better things, right? It feels like that is not the end of either man. Even though Conlon lost, he still has a future because he could go right back into a fight with Wood over there, and it's a big fight, right? So, so there's like a build. You feel like you're in the middle of something, and there's a story that's still unfolding. So if you're a fan over there in that scene, you could, man, man what happens if Wood and Conlon fight again? I'm getting tickets to that shit. Oh, man, what happens if Wood goes over to America and fights Santa Cruz? I don't care if that shit's on at 2 in the morning. I'm staying up and watching it, right? You're invested because there's a build. There's a story. Storylines matter so much in sports. When the WWE has better storylines and story building than we do in American boxing, that is a fucking problem. That is a problem, a major one. (sighs) I can't believe there's a channel out there that says, F top rank in their intro. That is just hilarious. Only in America, baby. Only in America. All right, back to the phones. Um, three three six, you're on the show. What's going on? Yo, yo, Mike. Take care of that temple, my brother. <laughs> What's up, BLT? How you doing, man? <laughs> you know, living, living. I'm in your world, my brother. Uh, yo, I don't really that much. Yeah, uh, Colin and Woods. Okay, I, I expected Colin to lose. I like Colin. He's got good skills, but I don't know. It just feels like there's something missing there. But I didn't expect that. Yeah, right? <laughs> Whoa. I was, oh, <laughs> okay. That All was right. a pleasant surprise, man. I don't know if you remember, I don't know if you it listened was, to the show last week, but I thought that was a distance fight. I didn't think anyone would get knocked down because neither guy hits hard. Turns out we get three knockdowns, nah. fight of the year contender. Yeah. That was just one of those pleasant surprises, yeah. man. Facts, man, facts. I got to give it to, to uh, Carlo, though. But uh, I don't think he's ever going to beat Wood. There's mm. just something missing to me with Colin. He's got the skills and everything. I don't know. There seems to be something missing. I don't mm. think he'll ever beat Wood. If he gets a match, he's going to lose. You think he'll get anyway, stopped again? Hey. Uh, maybe not because he might be a little bit smarter this time. Go, go the distance. Twelve, you know, boom, boom. Yeah. Um. Oh, you made a reference to Trinidad and Delahoy the other week, sometime about something. You were referencing something. Let me ask you a question. Why didn't Delahoy fight Trinidad again? I think it was Trinidad's side that didn't want it again. I think De La Hoya did. From what I, from my understanding, really, from my understanding, I could be wrong. Really? Yeah, you heard <laughs> different. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, but I don't feel that at all, bro. I don't feel that at all. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was when he brought it up. I was like, because I'm 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 hot on that fight. I've watched that fight maybe fifty times, bro. Who? Well, how'd you see it? How'd you <laughs> score it? Because people still argue about that fight. So how'd you score it? Oh, oh that pop, man. That boy was running, man. He don't get left. Yeah, he, he gave that fight away, that right? He didn't leave that shit. Yo, he didn't want no part of that left hook from Trinidad. Mm. He was staying the fuck out the way, son. Yo, <laughs> come on, man. Let's be real. <laughs> I agree. But anyway, yo, man. Yo, but anyway, yo, uh, yo, take care of yourself and your family, man. That's what you got to do. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. That's right. what we're doing. He said he was a little bit tired this weekend, so I was like, yo, yeah. Anyway, hey man, let me get off and over there and get on it. Uh, enough respect to all your callers, dropping knowledge as usual. Yo, man, great show. All right, brother. I will talk to you again Friday. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it Friday, man. All right, have a good week, brother. Yeah, this guy, right? Yeah, we'll be yeah, back Friday. Too, I was yeah. I was too busy this last week, but I'll be back this Friday, bro. Yeah. I promise. You gotta take care of yourself, bro. That's all. It, that's all yeah. that Yeah, man. That's Period. All right, man. Take care. Ah, you too. There he goes. There he goes. BLT, the 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 chat favorite. I I think everyone loves the BLT calls, man. All right, let's go over to the UK, and I think this will be the last caller today. So uh, we got UK caller seven eight zero. You're on the line. What's going on? Hi, Mike. How's it doing? It's Chris Bergen. Chris, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, long long time no speak. I'm good, man. You. Doing well, man. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been months since you've been on the show. How, how you been, man? Ah, uh, really good, man. I mean, the axe throwing looked good. I went and did it myself a few months ago. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that was fun, man. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. What was crazy is uh, so I was there with a bunch of guys from my gym, like friends, and they were like, "Yo, uh, one one guy that I know who does jujitsu." And stuff. He was like, try it with your left hand. And I was just as accurate with my left. He was having a lot of trouble with his left. And I'm I'm thinking that maybe it's the boxing, because all the boxing guys that tried it with their left were immediately boom, hitting it, hitting it. And all the MMA guys that were trying it with their left kept missing. And I don't know if it's just because oh, really? we train with the jab. I don't know. That's just my theory that that jab hand, because you just know how to throw it straight. I was actually throwing it straighter with my left hand and my right hand. But that shit was a lot of fun. I just I couldn't drink beer because I'm I'm training again. I'm in training right now, so um, I really wanted to drink some beer and I couldn't. <laughs> Besides that, it was fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a, it was a two a two a two pint limit. They let you have two two beers and that was it. Oh when shit! We well, yeah, you are throwing axes. I mean, <laughs> you probably should limit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, first thing I want to say is um, shout out to everyone in Ukraine. You know the shit they're going through over there is yeah. terrible. At the minute, so absolutely, you know, I know some. Uk- I lived next door to a Ukrainian family for 15 years, and they were absolutely brilliant people. So, you know, shout out to them. Hope there's some sort of resolution soon with that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I I really hope that we're not talking about that six months from now. I, I just, I really, really hope that it's it's something can can. Uh, clear it up within the next couple of weeks i fear that it won't though unfortunately but we'll see yeah we'll see um 
so yeah, the main main thing I wanted to ring about was the uh, the Conlon Wood fight. Um, you know, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant fight. Um, I, going into it, I thought I had, I thought Conlon would win. Going into it, I've been since he was in the Olympics, and you know his epic rant with the fuck Aber and all that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was. We all love him for that. I, I like. Yeah, I, I like the guy since then. Um, but, you know, I, I wasn't really happy with uh, some of the things he was doing before the fight. Um, you know, him and his brother, Jamie, they kept, leak, they kept leaking stuff about Ben Davidson and things he'd said and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you saw any of that. I saw some of it, yeah. There, there was a lot of talk and, and bad blood. Yeah, they kept saying, know. oh, Ben Davidson had... I told him that he didn't think that um, Wood could win the fight, and I thought it was a bit shithouse tactics, you know, stuff like that, trying to divide the trainer and the fighter and stuff. But, um, yeah, well, I wasn't too happy with that. And so I actually wanted Wood to win going into the fight after that. Well, you uh, saw Davidson practically well, tackled Wood after the fight. I mean, they were, oh, yeah, they yeah. were <laughs> so emotional. It was really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I thought Colin really controlled the fight. Uh, I had him. I had him about seven rounds to four going into the last. I don't. I don't know. You had it maybe eight to three, but I think about the seven, same. Four. About the same. Yeah. 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 I, I think you know Colin. He's he's so skilled. The guy is a really skilled fighter. You can tell he's like decorated amateur and stuff. Um, and you know he looked brilliant, but I, I thought Wood always looked dangerous in that fight. You know, I think he's he's huge for that weight. He, he just looks so much. He just he, when he fought Kanzu last time, he looked so much bigger than Kanzu, and I thought he looked a lot bigger than Conlon as well. And yeah, you're right. You know, size matters. I think these lower weight classes, size matters. Um, he looked. And it showed he in looked the end. really strong. Just built his arms, his back. Uh, he he just he almost looked like a little bodybuilder in there. Like his build. You're right. It looked a lot beefier than Conlon and maybe in the end that was the difference you know yeah like like you said he, he got better as the fight went on and uh Conlon he, he really uh you know gassed out really I think towards the end and you know he threw a lot of punches and he pulled he pulled a lot high into that and I think he thought he was going to stop Wood before that I think he I think he maybe took Wood a bit lightly I think I think he thought he was going to beat him the, the way he was talking about it anyway um, yeah plus but he had that success early on and we've seen a lot of fights go like that where you're having success early on and then you kind of almost let off the gas or you get overconfident and then you can lose the fight later. I mean, uh, Marquez Pacquiao, their first fight, uh, Kovalev Ward, their first fight. There's several fights I can point to like that. So I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Well, let's, let's not talk about the Kovalev Ward fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's forget about that one yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I was I was just thinking like the WBA like they need to sort the shit out with this because like Santa Cruz come on man he, he's not fighting it that way again he's not fought I think it's 2019 was the last time he fought that way I and, think so you know I think he lost like, I don't know it'd be, I think 2019 he fought that way last 2019 year. they need to I've yep you know, they need to either make that Wood versus Santa Cruz fight like ASAP or they need to elevate Wood to the super champion, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I just pulled it up just to be sure. It was actually over three years ago. It was February 2019 
Now, how in the hell can Santa Cruz still have that belt? That is criminal. And if, if anyone doubts that the WBA is in bed with the PBC, I mean, there's your proof. I mean, there's a million examples I could give, but come on. I mean, the WBA are laughable, though, aren't they? I mean, you've yes. got you've got the laughing sounds on. on there. Yes, <laughs> they are just they're terrible an absolute joke. Like, and they they said they were. Do you remember when uh, they basically got threatened to be thrown out of America, the WBA, and they said they were they were sorting the shit out and they were dropping belts and yep. stuff. And they they did start to do that, but now it's like they've forgotten about it. And <laughs> we're not seeing any of that. That's at the such a good point. They're announcing Chris. more and more fights. You're you're so right. More and more fights at these regular bouts. Well, so they basically made a public statement to back people off, and it's not the first time they did that. Because I want to say, like five years ago, they also said the same thing. They never followed through because nobody in boxing follows through with them. So um, that's a great point because you're right. For for a month or two, they talked tough, and then they immediately stopped, and they're right back to the same old bullshit. Yeah, they remind me of like politicians to like promise oh, yeah. to do something and then they fucking do, oh, yeah. do something for about a couple of weeks and then, and then they back out of it again. You know what I mean? Yep. And people and, uh, keep people, voting people, for it. People need to. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I heard, uh, I don't know if you heard, uh, apparently uh, Daniel Dubois might be fighting Trevor Bryant for the regular WBA title. They're supposed to have a hearing or something on that, the WBA. I don't know if they've done it yet, but they, yeah, they were supposed to have some sort of hearing on that. So, yeah, it should I mean, happen. That, yeah, I mean, that's not going to last very long, is it? That's Dubois is just going to smoke the guy. Yeah, that's going to be a bludgeoning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, going back to Lee Wood, I think um, if we don't see this, uh, if we don't see him versus Santa Cruz, I can't see the WBA making that fight. Um, but I'd like to see him fight uh, the winner of the Warrington Martinez fight, which I think could be Josh Warrington. I, I can't see him losing that fight, but uh, I think that'd be a good yeah. fight. Wood versus Warrington. See that. Dude, and that's another one over there in the UK that, that there's big numbers over there. The crowd will be great. Sign me up. I'd love to see it. Yeah, man. I mean, like you say, the crowds over here for those just for a fight like that. I mean, a fight like that, they're they're not even. I mean, the big, they are world level fighters, but they're not like elite fighters. Mm-hmm. But they sell out no problem, and yep. everyone would be loving it. So, hopefully, we see something like that. I think we probably will. Josh Warrington seems like someone who will fight anyone. So, mm-hmm. he is. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think that would be okay, great. That's my, that's my call, Mike. Anyway. All right, Chris. Good to hear from you, brother. Have a good man. Have yeah, a good man, one, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, take care. I'll chat to you on Twitter. Okay, cool. Ciao. Yeah, take it easy, man. Bye. There he goes, Chris Bergen. All right, guys, a couple super chats, then we're going to wrap this up because um, we got a couple interesting ones here. So Anthony Santiago with another super chat. Thank you. He says, hey, Mike, a Rican here, Puerto Rican here. Do you think Zander can be the next great Puerto Rican fighter? PR is desperate for another great. I don't think Berlanga is that guy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely think Zander Zayas, I, at this point at least, rate him higher than Edgar Berlanga. Um, let me see. Uh, I want to just look up something real quick while we're talking about this. Because I, I want to make sure I get this age right. Yeah, he's 19. Yeah, dude, he's so young. So so he hasn't fought the best opposition yet, okay? But 
and he's recently been fight. He started as a welterweight, but he's recently been fighting at junior middleweight. I think ultimately when he settles in as a serious contender, he's going to settle in as, as a welterweight. But for right now, I think they're kind of just building him up, dude. I'm looking so far. Top rank has put him in nothing but four rounders and six rounders. But really, what's the rush? Why rush the kid? Right. So, so I just you look at him and he's got an amateur pedigree. 2017 U.S. National Junior Championships quarterfinalist. 2018 third place. 2018 uh, and that was the National Junior Championships. Then the 2018 National Youth Championships first place. So he he had a pretty good regional uh, uh, amateur career. I just think, yeah, man, take your time. No, no need, no reason to rush. But I think between Berlanga and Zayas, you're going to get um, good fights. You're going to get guys that could possibly win a title. Maybe the WBO were Bob's organization. I mean, look, the WBO is basically exclusive to top rank, right? So if you're with top rank, you're <clears throat> probably going to get a crack at the WBO bill at some point. However, you use the word great. I don't know if I see a great fighter there. I don't know. I want to pump the brakes. Um, you look at the divisions that Zayas is going to be contending in. Welterweight up through middleweight. And the international competition, you're going to start having more and more and more in those divisions. Uh, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I mean, right now, you know, guy, I'm looking at Virgil Ortiz. I'm looking at Jerron Ennis. Those guys are the goods at 47 and they're eventually those guys will probably one day be middleweights. Those guys, you can just see it, right? Zayas, I don't know yet. And Berlanga, I don't know yet either. So I don't know if I, if I'm ready to say great, but between the two of them, if I had to buy stock, I would buy stock in Xander. Definitely. Doesn't mean Berlanga can't become something big though. Cause maybe he could because he fights in a weaker division that matters too. Uh, super chat from Sam. Thank you, Sam. He says, Jorge Masvidal, we're talking UFC here, has lost four straight by domination. He's been completely dominated, yet he is headlining pay-per-views every time he fights, and UFC talks bad about boxing. Come on. Sam, you make a very valid point. I get it. The fan base over there at UFC is not as nuanced and educated, maybe. Here's the thing, dude. I can tell you because I have a, a lot of friends that watch that stuff and love it. They love it. They buy Conor McGregor. They buy Jorge Masvidal. These guys get defeated all the time. They don't care. They say, you know what? When you fight the best, you're going to lose. And I don't think Masvidal or McGregor, I think they were both overrated. I wouldn't put them anywhere near some of these other guys like Anderson Silva, who I still think is probably the best MMA fighter I've ever watched fight uh, pound for pound. I wouldn't rank them anywhere near. Anderson Silva at, at their best, at his best. <clears throat> They're overrated. There's marketing going on, all that. I get it, but it's working. The fans are enjoying it. And unlike boxing where Tank Davis will sell 100,000, 150,000 pay-per-view buys when he fights Raleigh Romero, Jorge Masvidal, Conor McGregor, when they fight, they're selling hundreds of thousands, even sometimes over a million pay-per-view buys, even though they they lose and they're overrated and all that stuff. I get it, dude. They're way over the hill. I, I get it. They have name recognition. Mike Tyson, when he was like 800 years old, fought Roy Jones when he was like 600 years old, and it did millions of pay-per-view buys. Everybody knew it was an exhibition. 
everybody knew that it, the, neither of those guys were going to fight a real championship level fighter anymore. They were way past the best. Didn't matter. So <clears throat> I've talked a lot about UK boxing on this episode and the great scene they have going on over there. I don't know, dude, maybe we need to take more of a page from what they're doing over in the UK and maybe what they're doing over in the UFC here in America and boxing needs to do more of that. Um, I agree with you. Jorge Masvidal is overrated. He's not an elite level talent. In my opinion, the fans don't give a shit. They buy his fights. So they're doing something right with the way <clears throat> that they market to casual fans in that sport. Nigel in the chat. What's up, Nigel? Uh, thank you for the super chat, brother. Hope you're doing well. He said, Wood did my hometown proud. So proud. Great fight. Yeah, all of Nottingham, I think, is still riding high. Um, oh, wait. It was in Nottingham. Yeah, that's where Wood's from. Yeah, yeah, Nottingham, right? Yeah, I think Nottingham is still going nuts. I think um, just that was just so much fun. So much fun. I can't imagine for you guys over there. You're probably still buzzing from it. Tim, Tommy Baseo with the super chat. Thank you so much, Tommy. He says, uh, Sub Ontario watching TNC all the way from Montreal, Canada. Keep up the good work. Tommy, <clears throat> I appreciate it, man. You guys, again, we, we just had calls from the UK. We've got people watching from Canada. Again, that's one thing I love about this show, man. We got a following from all over the all over the world. That's really, really freaking cool, in my opinion. All right, guys. Oh, Nacho in the chat says, don't forget Stanionis, Mike. Yeah, welterweight. Yeah, true that, true that. We'll see. We'll see. I want to see how it looks in that next fight. All right, guys. Uh, we'll be back Friday. All right. I enjoyed the show. Hope you guys did, too. And uh, for now, we are out. See you at the fights. Peace.